All right, Psalm 37. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in a couple details of their lives. Anybody know what that really says? Every detail. That's right, Sam. Every detail. The Lord delights in every detail of their lives. That would include... I have to fix a toilet seat that slides a little bit. Like, it's super annoying. Every detail. That's pretty detailed. Does he care? He cares. Seriously. He cares. He cares about every detail of our lives. That's hard to grasp. That's hard to grasp. How do we know he cares? How do we know that, like, he has an opinion about it? How do we hear his voice on those details? Now, that gets a little trickier. How do we know what He wants in our lives? I'll tell you, if you know the voice of the Lord, He will talk to you about everything. And we go throughout our whole day, pray without ceasing. Literally, standing in Menards, Home Depot, Lowe's, whatever, and looking at an array of like 50 toilet seats. Which one, Lord? (laughs) Like, I guarantee you, just being brutally honest the one for me is different than the one for you right the lord knows he's like this is the right one buddy right you might have a different answer but he cares and he talks if you're having trouble hearing the voice of the lord for something so small as that which thing should i buy which way should i go how about that job what about that promotion about something bigger in your life and you're having trouble hearing the voice of the Lord I'm telling you worship is one way to get close close enough to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit close out all the other distractions forget even about the actual choice that you're going to make and just focus on the Lord we have a number of babies and infants in this place it's wonderful to see nobody has to tell them to speak up to their parents they lift their voice when they come out of the womb and when their mother's voice talks to them they know and they're like right there because they want to be close and they want to be held close worship is like that for the Lord amen let's worship him let's stand father we invite your presence this morning be with us We invite you here, not just here in this building, but here in our souls. We come to worship you this morning. We come to be in your presence. We want to hear from you this morning. While we lift our voices and our hearts and our hands to you, we ask that you'd speak to us, that you'd move in us and be with us this morning. In Jesus' name. There are some of you here today who do not know the love of Christ. You maybe have accepted him as your savior to the best of your understanding. But today there's anointing here to receive the love of Jesus in a way that you've never felt it before. And it isn't about feelings. I'm not really saying that. But some of you have not known the love of the Lord. And I just believe there's anointing to receive that. So um, his love is patient. His love is kind. His love is not envious. It's not boastful, arrogant, or rude. He loves you with an everlasting love. He does not even insist on his own way. He waits for us. He's so respectful and honoring to us. He loves you so much. Some of you really need to get that today. The love of Christ is deep and wide and high and broad. It covers all our sins, of course, which you know. But he just wants you to know you are the apple of his eye today. Each 
one of you. It's the apple of his eye. He just loves you to the deepest of his core. And obviously he showed that when he died on the cross for us. But you know, it's really hard for us to get that. Especially if we've not had proper parenting or we've not, you know, experienced it in our life before Christ much. He loves you. Just close your eyes and get that. He loves you to the depth of his being. Died for us, of course, and raised from the dead. Just believe he really wants us to get that so we can go forward, whatever he's asking us to do. So God bless you. Amen. Christ is supernatural. It's not something that I can convince you of, that I can convince you of, or Linda, or people can. It's, it is a fact, you know, it's a fact. We can show you biblically that God loves you. We can, we can give you all of the verses that say that. We can talk about it. We can show, talk about how it's affected us individually, you know, on any person individually. But it really comes down to it's a supernatural understanding. And how do you get, how do you receive the supernatural? Well, you just be open to it. <laughs> I, I can't give you any other, you know, I'm not, you know, you, you, you can't do three laps around the building and 10 push ups and don't eat for four days or, you know, it's not. It's not about doing anything. He just loves you. And we pray this morning. Father, I pray this morning that that supernaturally today, supernaturally this week, each and every person within the sound of my voice experiences a deeper understanding of your love for them. Supernaturally, Father. Lord, we're not, we're not trying to dictate how you're going to do it or when you're going to do it or any of those things. But Lord, I pray. I pray right now and I'm, pray, I'm praying by faith that supernaturally, spiritually, each and every person within the sound of my voice, every person who's here, every person who's watching online, every person who listens to this message, experiences your love. The love of God. And when we do, Father, we'll acknowledge you. We'll acknowledge you. I'll, I'll acknowledge you. They'll, each and every person will go, that's God. That's God and He loves me. I've thought for years He didn't love me. Now, I'm not, I'm not this is not me. I've known for years that God loves me, but there are people who are thinking, there's, I, I didn't think God, I thought God was mad at me. He's not mad at you. He loves you. I pray that this this day, I pray right now you experience, right this day you experience, this week you experience the supernatural expression, the, the supernatural outpouring of His love. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What God wants to do right now is take some walls down. He wants to take some walls down that are in your heart that you're not receiving what He has for you, that love. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, He wants to come in here and He wants to remove. And if you let Him right now, He's going to take those walls down, those walls of hate, those walls of hurt, those walls of unforgiveness, those walls that the enemy has told you who you are. And God says, no, you're loved, and I love you. I love you with a kind of love that will be like the washing, the washing. Let him wash. Let him wash all the lies, the refuge of lies, 
the things that the enemy has told you. And right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we command every thief, every lie, everything that has tried to steal, kill, and destroy your heart to come and minister to you. To you, to you, to you, to you, to you, each one. Each one, he sees what you're thinking. (laughs) He sees what's in your heart right now. He sees you. He sees you. Don't think that he doesn't see you. Somebody in here, they you don't think he sees you. And he says, I see you. I see that hurt. I see that cry of your heart, the lies, the thief that came and told you those lies, and he wants to pluck them out so you can receive that love today. Let him come and minister to your heart. He sees you. Yes. He sees you. He sees you. And those lies and that liar, I command it to go now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the blood of Jesus that has been shed for you. Let it come. Let Open your heart and let him come in. Let him come in like you have never let him in. Just say, I surrender. I surrender it all. I surrender it all. Every part of my being, every Every lie, every every spirit of death and destruction that has held you captive in your heart, let him come. He's the only one that can do it. Every I'm mean, like Pastor John just said, we can like hear it over and over and over again that I love you, I love you. But whatever's blocking that, not receiving it. We, Lord, we ask you to root it out right now. Amen. Root it out from the root and to bring forth your truth, Father God, and your revelation of your love for each one. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I'll take that. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I think he means it, you know. I think, he's, I think he really means it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Lord. This morning, what we're going to do is we're going to mix it up a little bit. We're going to receive the offering and do the announcements first before I minister because we have something at the end we want to do. So, Susanna, if you could come. Thank you. Right. So it is time this morning to receive our offerings. And um, the challenge I'm going to bring in my message is possible because we do know God loves us. Amen. Um, so to prepare to speak today, I, I felt led to look back at the prior messages that I've given to, to find a theme or a foundation that I could build upon. And I was reminded that the very first time I did the offering, I spoke about the concept of stewardship, stewardship, so that everything belongs to God, including our money, and we are just managers or stewards of his wealth. Uh, and that our mindset as faithful stewards should be to trust and obey whatever the Lord directs us to do with his money. Um, so I'm going to continue to expound on, on this topic this morning. Uh, Many of you have probably heard the saying, if God can get it through you, he can get it to you. I've heard ministers say this, and admittedly, the first place my mind tends to go is to the second part, he can get it to you. And um, I'd venture to guess guess that I'm not the only one. Uh, We are tempted to make this a maxim about financial prosperity, but in fact, it expresses a truth about stewardship the if-God-can-get-it-through-you part. So think about it. It is not really a promise of material wealth, but this saying applies equally to both the rich and the poor. And I'll show you this from Scripture in a moment. So I'm someone who likes to be prepared. I was never actually a Girl Scout, but I would have been a good one. So you know the Scout motto is be prepared, right? 
so I had been praying for inspiration, but until yesterday afternoon, I had only a vague clue about this message, knowing I was going to revisit a prior topic, and the Holy Spirit had given me a little hint uh, towards stewardship, but that was it. So that makes me really nervous <laughs> when I don't have anything on Saturday. So then uh, yesterday morning, uh, we had a gathering of church women for an, an equipping and encouraging time. And afterwards, on my drive home, the message uh, became clear. So um, Ashley uh, Rivera, she's not here today, but okay, she, uh, she shared a brief but powerful teaching on biblical womanhood. And she talked about Ruth as one particularly excellent example. So uh, through this, the Holy Spirit inspired me to look at biblical womanhood, or in other words, women in the Bible, who are excellent examples to emulate in the area of financial stewardship and giving. So we are going to look at the accounts of two women, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament, one a poor Gentile and the other a rich Jew. But I will bet that nobody here knows their names. Now, no offense, that is not an indictment of your biblical knowledge, because these women are, in fact, nameless. Yet we are still talking about these nameless women thousands of years later. Why? Because they were faithful stewards who obeyed the Lord and gave both extravagantly and sacrificially. So let's read, let's first read about the poor Gentile woman in 1 Kings 17, 8 through 16. And I think it should be up on the screen, but, um, so 1 Kings 17, starting at verse 8, the background here is that, um, the, the he who is speaking for the Lord here is a, the prophet Elijah. And there is drought, severe drought and severe famine in the land. So then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose, and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her, and he said, Please give me a little water in a jar that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in a bowl and a little oil in a jar. And behold, I am gathering a few sticks that I might go in and prepare for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Then Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go, do as you have said, but make me a little bread cake from it first and bring it out to me. And afterward, you may make one for yourself and for your son. For thus the Lord God of Israel, for thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah." All right, so put, put yourself in this widow's place. So she and her young son were about to starve, having only enough ingredients to make one piece of bread. Yet this woman obeyed the word of the Lord, and she made Elijah his piece of bread first. So can you imagine the immense temptation to keep that piece of bread for herself and for her son? What an example of extraordinary hospitality generosity, and trust in the Lord. You see, this widow was a faithful steward, and because God could get her through, get it through her, he could get it to her. And he did. Uh, not in heaps of flour and barrels of oil. No, just enough flour, one bowl, a bowl, and just enough oil, a jar, for one day. Day after day after day. The Lord provided daily bread for her and her household. All right, next I'll read about the rich Jewish woman in Matthew 26, 6 through 13. And this account is also recorded by Mark in his gospel. So 26, starting at verse 6. Now when Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper, 
a woman came to him with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume, and she poured it upon his head as he reclined at the table. But the disciples were indignant when they saw this, and said, Why this waste? For this perfume might have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you bother this woman? For she has done a good deed to me. For the poor you have with you always, but you do not always have me. For when she poured this perfume upon my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done shall also be spoken of in memory of her. So I, I believe we can conclu- conclude from the text that this woman obviously had some means, some wealth. Right? She, she was in possession of a very costly perfume in a jar made of alabaster, itself being a, a valuable, precious material. Uh, she did not have to give this perfume to anoint Jesus before his death, an act which Jesus describes in verse 10 as a good deed. It was a gesture of great generosity. The Amplified Bible translates verse 10 as Jesus saying, She has done a noble, praiseworthy, and beautiful thing to me. Um, As the others pointed out, the perfume could have been sold for a large sum of money. Yeah, I think this woman was very aware of that, and that's my point. She could have used it or sold it for herself, but she also apparently understood that this perfume belonged to the Lord and it was intended for Christ's anointing, and she was the trustworthy steward assigned to bring it to Jesus. So God got the gift through her, didn't he? So my hope in delivering this message is that uh, we, church, have been exhorted to model the generous giving of these two biblical women and to be faithful, obedient stewards, vessels through which God's will and God's work are accomplished on the earth. So the ways to give are on the screen. Okay, I can't read that, but I... So um, you can give at the box in the back. You can give on the website, www.rvcc.info. You can mail it to uh, RVCC, 5900 Lake Elmo Avenue North, Lake Elmo, Minnesota, 55042. Or you can drop it by the office uh, Monday through Thursday, 9 to 3. So let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for the opportunity to give an offering this morning. By your grace through faith, may we have open ears to hear and open hearts to trust and obey your directions to us as your faithful stewards. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, John 14, 11. Been there many times before. Your Bible should be worn a path right to it. John 14, 11 says, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me in anything in my name, I will do it. And so when Jesus was on the earth, he did a lot of things. He did a lot of, a lot of miracles. He did a lot of, of, uh, normal things. He did a lot of things that seemed normal, but were miraculous. There were things that, that people, a lot of people saw. There were things that very few people saw. But he did, uh, he, he said, believe in me, believe in the things that I've been doing. And he says, anyone who believes in him will do the things that he did. They will do the things that he did and even greater things. And so, uh, you know, uh, one of the thoughts that I've had is, you know, there's some things that we can believe for. Some people actually, it's not a problem for them to believe to pray for somebody for healing. That's great. You know, that's easy. That's wonderful. Uh, you know, but, but walking on water, that would be tougher to believe for, wouldn't it? It'd be a little tougher to, to have to walk on water and, and, and you have a reason you have to walk on water and then go, okay, here we go. And you walk on water. So, but we're not going to go through the Bible. We're not going to go through the Gospels and go, well, this one is possible, but this one isn't. This miracle was only possible for Jesus, and it's not possible for human beings. 
No, he said, if you believe in me, the things that you've seen me doing, you can do. And even greater things than those. We're not going to go through the Bible and vote on which miracles Jesus said you could do. Do you know there's actually some groups that have seminars where they go through the Bible and they find different verses and they go, okay, you know, we read that uh, Jesus walked on the water. Uh, is, is, do you think that really happened? And then they vote on it. Then they vote on, well, did that miracle really happen or not? I mean, talk about the, 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 the uh, epitome of arrogance. But then again, when, we have to, when we're up against something, why do we downplay the thought, the possibility that we could walk in the things that Jesus did, the miracles? Isn't that kind of the same thing? We have to be convinced that, that whatever He did, we can do. Amen. Whatever He said that He that we can do, we can do. And even greater things. And so last week or two weeks ago, we started talking about what did He do. And I said the, the first thing it is He walked by faith. We walk, he walked by faith. He, even Jesus, had to walk by faith. And we're going to see that again today, that he walked by faith. But we're going to start talking about what were some of the things that Jesus did. What were some of the things that he, uh, that he did that we can do. So turn with me to Mark chapter 6. It's very interesting because I didn't know what, uh, what uh, Susanna was going to speak on for the offering this morning, but I'm not going to talk about those things specifically. But the idea when she said, if God can get it through you, he can get it to you, just jumped out at me. That just this, when she said that this morning, I was like, whoa, that's where I'm going. That's, that's exactly what the Holy Spirit put on my heart this morning. So I think it's important. I think, I think this is something he wants you to hear. Mark chapter 6, verse 34, very, very famous story. Very fa- everybody's heard this. I uh, shouldn't even have to read it, but I'm going to. Mark 6, 34 says, When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, verse 37, but he answered them, you give them something to eat. Remember the series that I've been been teaching is, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? This is the first time that Jesus feeds a large number of people with a small amount of food. We know that there's two times that it happens. The feeding of the 5,000, which is this, and the feeding of the 4,000. In the feeding of the 5,000, when they came to him and said, hey, there's no food, we don't have enough food to feed all these people, he didn't say, hey, hang on, I'll, I'll take care of it for you. What did he say? He said, what are you going to do about it? He says, you feed them. And they immediately start to panic. They immediately start to get, come up with every excuse possible why that's not possible. Not that we would do that ever. No, no. That was them. That was, you know, they did, they, you know. Well, let's see what they said. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii? 200 denarii, I think I just saw an article this week where they found a denarii and they were talking about, I think it's a day's at a day's wages or a week's wages or something. 200, is it a day? 200 days wages. If you, if you worked all year long, would you have enough money to buy 5,000 men and other women and children, buy them enough food to eat? And Jesus, Jesus hears that, hears this, and he's not moved by it. Verse 38, and he said, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said five, with five, five loaves and two fish. There, that ought to be enough, right? 
Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he he looked up into heaven, said a blessing, and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and to set before the people. Now, in in different uh, uh, of the books, this this is both in Matthew and in Mark. This one, it doesn't talk about who. It doesn't talk about the little boy. Where did they get the, the loaves and the fish? Well, they got it from a little boy. It might have been the lunch his mom sent him with. But they, they went and they, they snatched the little boy's lunch out of his hand. <laughs> they all pointed and said, He's got food. And they had to steal it from him. They had to catch him. They had to chase him down. They had to chase him around. And then they caught him. And they took the food. And they go, here, we now have food. Wow, that, that is so spiritual. <laughs> or did he say, you guys are looking for food? Here, I've got some food. And everybody what? Everybody laughed at him. Really? Two, two, you know, five loaves and two fish. Really? That's what you're going to give. But here's the example of If God can get it through you, He can get it to you. Whenever there's a need for provision, anybody here ever experience a need for provision? Yes, all of us, at some point in time, in greater and lesser opportunities. Every one of us has experienced an opportunity where we needed provision. But God's desire is to provide for you whatever you have need of. But there does seem to be this law of sowing and reaping that we have to deal with. God provided for those 5,000 people plus and his disciples. And then at the end, we know that there was 12 baskets picked up afterwards and I've always, I've always wondered, where did the, who, who got the 12 baskets full? My guess is the little boy. I don't know. It's not anywhere in there. It's complete conjecture. I don't know. But, you know, it sure, certainly wasn't, you know, Judas. If God can get it through you, he can get it to you. What did Jesus do? He supernaturally provided for people in need. Now, I could read the other story, but that would just, you know, the the feeding of the 4,000, same thing happened. Here he didn't say, well, what are you going to do about it? He just did it because he realized where they were at. And then I actually have another story of when they're going across the the lake after that, and they forgot to bring bread with them, and they're all scared. They're all, you know, oh, no, and... And, and, and they really, they went, oh shoot, who's supposed to bring the bread? And, and Jesus is talking about the yeast of the Pharisees, and they're like, oh, he's talking about yeast because you didn't bring bread. Way to go. It's your fault. <laughs> and Jesus looked at them all and said, what are you guys talking about? He said, I'm not talking about the fact that you didn't bring bread. Don't you guys remember the feeding of the 5,000? Don't you remember the feeding of the 4,000? Don't you remember when I supplied your needs out of nothing, basically? Out of, out of five loaves and two fish? Don't you, don't you realize that we don't have a provision problem? We don't have a provision problem. We have a faith problem. Or a doubt problem, depending on how you want to frame the, the argument. Can God supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory, even if it has to be completely, 100% miraculous? Yes. Remember last week I said I'm going to keep pushing on this? I'm going to keep pushing? Here's the deal. People are, 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 are comparably in different places. Some of you have experienced the supernatural provision of God. And some haven't. And that's okay. It's not a big deal. The fact is that when, when you realize that you don't have a provision problem, when you don't have a problem, a problem with lack of stuff, what you have a problem with is a lack of either knowledge or faith or you've got too much doubt. 
God can do the miraculous. I have, I have a couple of stories that, that I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you really quick because there is something we're going to do here at the end. But I want you to hear these and I want you to take it to heart. Some of you have heard these stories before because I've been here for a while. And you've been here for a while. Just nod appreciatively. You know, like, yeah, amen. Say amen a few times. Amen, amen. For you new folks, this is for you. Anybody, you know, I don't know when I told this one last. But back when, uh, back when Deb and I were in college, Debbie and I were in college, uh, she graduated with an education degree, and uh, she took a, a job in, the, in a Christian school uh, over in River Falls, Wisconsin. And uh, if you know anything about Christian schools, especially back in the, uh, the 90s, there wasn't a lot of money in it. There wasn't a lot of money, and it wasn't anybody's fault. It just you 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 could you know you just had the money that you had. You could pay your teachers what you could. Teachers and you know at at that time weren't paid very much. I could tell you exactly what it was, but it doesn't matter because it's burned into my psyche. Because I. <laughs> but I, you know I was still in school. She graduated before I did, and don't ask how that happened because that's a whole other story. I was on the ten-year plan, and uh, she wasn't. She graduated before I did, and so she took that job, worked that whole year, made X number of dollars. But I was working another job; she was working another job. You, you, had, you had to work. You did. You did what you had to do while you're doing it. So we're 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 going through that year, and and we're 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 making it. We're doing good. We're we're, we're blessed. God's meeting our needs. God is supplying. He gave me, gave me a job I enjoyed doing, and gave her a job she didn't mind doing. And we were we were working. We were putting our hands to the plow, and we were doing what we needed to do. That winter, the church that we were going to uh, at that time, Communion of Saints Church in in uh, River Valley or in River Falls was wanting to pay off their sanctuary. They wanted to pay off their building. And, you know, we're, okay, remember, we're college students. We, we're on a, you know, a low, low income, you know, we're, we got, we got some money, but we, we're, we're making, we have payments. We have stuff we have to do. And so we're, they wanted to pay off the building and we're in this meeting and, and they had a guest speaker come in and he goes, hey, we're gonna, today we're gonna pay off this building. Who here can commit to giving a hundred dollars? And people were raising their hand. Who can do this? Who can do this? Well, Deb and I, you know, one of the things we decided early on in our marriage, we don't make any big decisions without talking to each other first. And he got up to, he says, who here can give $1,000? Who can give $1,000? Who can give X? You know, but he kept going. And then, you know, whatever. So we went home. We're driving home. I had been praying about it. And the Holy Spirit told me, and I'll, I'll tell you because it doesn't really matter. He told me to give $1,000. We had $1,000 in the bank, but that's about it. And we still had bills to pay. We still had food to buy. We still had, you know, we still needed to live through the rest of that year. Now, anybody who knows Deb, for those of you who don't know Deb, you can just talk to the people that giggled. She is extremely frugal. She's in there. Oh, I thought maybe I was going to get by with her. She's back there. Okay. Pray for her, Tally. Just, just lay hands on her and pray for her. <laughs> Debbie is extremely, extremely frugal. Now, I'm not saying, I didn't say that twice, you know, to, to add, you know, I just did it to let you know she's very frugal. Amen. And that frugal, for those of you who don't know what frugal, it doesn't mean cheap, okay? She's not cheap. She's not stingy. She's frugal. She, she is very wise. She was Dave Ramsey before Dave Ramsey was, was you know, very frugal. With her money, so on, and I'm thinking this is nuts. I feel like we're supposed to give a thousand dollars. There ain't no way she is wanting. She's going to want it because I know how much is in the bank. I know how much it takes to live, and I'm just and so we. I'm, I'm like I'm not saying a word, man. I'm not saying nothing. I'm not. I'm not going to be the first one to talk here. There's no way. So we get in the car and we're driving, and and she's just staring straight ahead. So I know. Oh gosh. Here we are. We, we're going to have that moment. You know, we're going to have that moment where we have to make a decision. And, and so I'm, I've already decided I'm not speaking first. Not doing it. Not saying what I think before. So we're driving and all of a sudden she turns to me and she goes, Well, how much do you think we should give? And I was like, No. <laughs> nope. 
I'm not talking first. And I said, and she goes, come on, what do you think? What do you think? What, did you pray about it? I went, yes, I prayed about it. What do you think? And she says, she goes, well, what do you think we should go? I said, no, I am not talking first this time. No, it is, I'm not going to be the one. I said, what, do you, what are you getting? And she goes, $1,000. And we went, okay. And we did it. And we did it, and God met all of our needs. And I mean, we, we were blessed that year. There was no, you know, I mean, it's just, we just went through the rest of the year. Got to the end of the year. That's not the end of the story. But you hear, here's the get it through you part. That was the get it through you part. We get to the end of the year, and uh, the school, comes to, school year comes to the end, and the administrators came to, to Debbie and said, okay, so here's the deal. Um, we're going to be losing some students this year. We're not going to have as many students in the school, but we need to be, keep the, the, the current level of teaching the same and the current level of teachers. So here's the deal. Uh, what you made this year, we're going to have to cut that in half. And we're really sorry. And here's the thing: we're, we're not we're not trying to you know we're not trying to put you on the spot. We we're not going to think anything. Le- if you can't do that, we totally understand. We'll figure it out. But we, we we're just being honest with you. We can only pay you half of what we paid you last year. So Deb, we were working in a different place, and we but we worked together in this other place. And so she came and she said, "Hey, I, they just called me this morning, and they said." You know, that I can have the job next year, but I can only get paid half of what I got paid this year. Now, the thing was, I was going into my last year of teaching, and so I, I, I couldn't work. I had to do student teaching. I had a whole bunch of other things I had to do. So I couldn't keep doing the job that I had been doing. I was going to take at least a semester, if not more, off of actual work. I had to put all that time into teaching and so on. And so I said, so I wasn't going to make any money that winter. And she said, yeah, they, they said that they can't, you know, pay me the full amount and they could pay me half. Um, but, you know, and they totally understand if I don't take the job. And I said, well, all right, well, we'll have to figure out what, what other jobs are out there. Here's, here's the one of the times in our life where she was the one who had more faith than I did. My first thought was, okay, well, that was nice. Great having you working there. Let's go find you a different job. And I started thinking of how to get more, another job. And she goes, well, hang on a second. She goes, I've prayed about it, and I think I'm supposed to take the job. <laughs> and I laughed. I was like, yeah, uh, you don't, okay, who are you, and what have you done with my wife? <laughs> I said, no way. I said, I, I, there's no way that can work. There is zero. There, there, if I told you the number, if I told you the number, you'd be like, to, to, for two people to live all year long, plus pay all your bills, plus pay the school tuition, plus, 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 everything that's going on, there's no way, absolutely no physical way that I, we're going to survive this next year. I didn't even, you know, I was like, no, there's no way this can happen. And she goes, John, I, I prayed about this. And we're supposed to, I'm supposed to take the job. And I was like, that's crazy. And I said, well, now i got to pray about it. So I, I prayed about it that afternoon, and the Holy Spirit said, trust Debbie. And I was like, okay. Went home that night and said, here's the deal. Tell them you'll do it. I have no idea. We might as well just dive into the abyss now, because, I mean, why not? No way. No physical way. No way we could do it. There's nothing we could do. I'm like, okay, fine. So that whole summer, I pray, oh God, oh God. You know, there was no eloquent, you know, thank you, Father, for being blessing us and exceedingly abundant. No, I was like, oh my God, what are you going to do? Help us, help us. So we, uh, her parents would take us on vacation, has, have taken us on vacation for every year for since our, we've been married. And so we, they have this cabin up north, and we went to the cabin, and one day... Uh, getting close to the school year, um, one day uh, everybody, all the guys wanted to go fishing, and I was I, did, I was tired of being in the boat. I didn't want to go fishing. All the women wanted to go for a walk, and I didn't want to do that. And then uh, so I said, "Here's what we're going to do." I said, "I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hang back here at the cabin, and you guys go. I'll go. Oh, come on, come on. No, no, I'm not going. I'm just going to stay here at the cabin." So I stay at the cabin. I have the radio on, and uh, it's you know it's it, this is Sunday morning, and there's a there's a uh, 
radio program I'm listening to. It's about sports in Minnesota. Minnesota, And it was, for those of you uh, who may remember back that far, uh, Sid Hartman. Sid Hartman uh, had a radio program on Saturday. And I was listening to that, that radio program. And they're halfway through the, uh, the, the program. And one of the other announcements said, announcers said, Hey, Sid, Sid. Why don't you uh, announce your need for a caretaker for your house for this year? And he's like, oh, that's a great idea. You know, okay, fine. And, uh, so, yeah, I need a caretaker, somebody to mow the yard, clean the house, uh, blah, blah, blah. You get to live in the house and, and, and so on. And, and, I was, and, and so I'm listening to this, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, send your resume. Send your resume. And I was like, okay, Sure. Well, you know, but I'm sure he's, he announced it on the radio. How many, how many people, well, I know how many people applied, because he told me how many people applied. I'm already telling you the end of the story. But I send in my, my resume, completely thinking, whatever. I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know what that means. And a week or two later, there's a, we come home from work, and this is back when you had, uh, had voicemail, uh, you know, like a, a machine that sat next to your wall phone. Phones used to have tails. Did you? I don't know if you guys know. <laughs> Machine, and I, I walk over, and it's blinking. I walk over, and there's a button. I push the button. Hello, uh, hello, John. This is Sid Hartman. I wonder if we could, if you could give me a call back. I'd like to talk to you about being a caretaker. And I was like, huh? Beep. Uh, John, this is uh, Sid Hartman again. I really think I want to talk to you about being a, a caretaker. Why don't you give me a call? Here's my number. Beep. Uh, John, how come you haven't called me back yet? I'm really looking for a, a caretaker. Give me a call. And he just kept, I mean, there's like four or five messages right now. Boom, boom, boom. I was like, okay, okay, slow down here. So I call him up and he goes, can you come over tonight? Sure. So we went over. Long story short, he hired us as his caretaker. He had over 300 applications that came in for this job. And he told me, because I said, I asked him one day, I said, why did you pick us? He goes, I don't know, it was the weirdest thing. And he, I don't know, you know, I don't, at that time, Sid wasn't a believer. I don't know where, he, you know, he, he's passed away now. But he said, he says, I had over 300 applications, and I'm leafing through the application, and every time I looked at yours, it's just like, that's the guy. The Holy Spirit directed his heart to pick us. Okay, so we not only survived the next year, because we didn't have to pay anything for housing. But here's the, I love this part of the story, telling this part of the story. We lived in a 10,000 square foot mansion <laughs> overlooking the St. Croix River. We had our own apartment that was wall-to-wall glass overlooking the St. Croix. I, I used to sit and watch eagles eat fish on a tree right outside my window. We had a swimming pool. We had two jacuzzis. We had a putting, well, we had two putting greens in the yard. We had a boat at our access. We had jet skis at our access. We had a yacht at our access. And he had an MG midget that he said, John, somebody's got to drive that thing at least once a week. Yes, sir, I will. I'll. <laughs> and then on top of that, he would come out at least once a week and take us out for supper. And then he would have parties. He'd have these extravagant parties. And the, the, the Vikings would all come over for a party. And the wild would all come. I met Denny Green before any of you had ever heard his name. Wow. <laughs> I'm working in the house. I'm working in the house. And, and Sid walks in and he goes, Hey, John, can you grab me a Coke? And I said, Sure. And I went over to the fridge and, I'm, and, and I don't hear what else is going on behind me. And I, all of a sudden I hear, Hey, can you grab me one too? And I was like, sure. And I turn and I grab two of them and I turn around and Denny Green is standing there and he goes, hi, my name is Denny Green. And for those of you who don't know, he was, a, he was the Vikings football coach for many years. I met Bob Ganey. For those of you who don't know Bob Ganey, Bob Ganey was the, the coach of the wild. He had, you know what his wife's name is? I love this part too. His wife's name is Janie Ganey. And now everybody just hold on, just just hold on to somebody, you know, hold their hand. I met Bob, I bet, I, oh, I can't even say it. I just, whew, 
I met Bud Grant. I mean, you just, I mean, talk about the provision of God. I mean, you know, just. (laughs) We live there rent free. God provided exceedingly abundant, supernaturally above we could ever hope, think, or ask. Why? I believe one day I was sitting in the hot tub. Okay, during the uh, Halloween storm, the 91 Halloween storm, for for those of you, how many were out without electricity for days in the Halloween storm? Yeah. Well, we were living in the 10,000 square foot uh, mansion, and uh, we had a jacuzzi inside, and, and the lights, it also had a generator, so when the lights flickered off, it flickered right back on, and my hot tub heated up, and I... I was sitting in the hot tub watching, watching TV, wondering how the rest of you were surviving. <laughs> and I said, God, why, why are you so good to us? Why are you so, that's just, you're so good to us. Thank you, Father. For, 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 we not only survived, we thrived. I said, God, why? And he goes, do you remember when I asked you to give $1,000? That's partial payment. That's partial repayment. He goes, if you can, he didn't say this, but that when you said that this morning, if he can get it through you, he can get it to you. All right, one one more quick. That's that is personal. That's that I wasn't. It's not because I was a pastor. It's not. It's because we just trusted God. We had to, we had to trust God. Deb Deb took the step of faith. I you know we we did what we had to do and so on and so forth. Oh, I'm running out of time. Okay, really quick. You want to talk about supernatural that makes no sense whatsoever. I think I can tell this story because I think the, the statue of limitations is over, so I think I can tell you this story now. It's nothing like that. Really, it's really nothing like that. When, I first, when, we, when, when we first became, I became the senior pastor of this church, we went through a period of really financial problems. For those of you who have been around for 20 years, the church took a, took a huge dip. We were coming out of a church split. A number of things were happening, and the finances took a, took a hit, man. I mean, it was, it was bad. And we were just trying to, we went from, from Sunday to Sunday. We went from, from, from offering to offering, and there were many weeks where we thought, I have no idea how this is going to hold together. And we were just praying daily for, okay, God, you know, you're, this is your church. This is your thing. We trust you to keep this church afloat. And he did. But it was like by the skin of our teeth, man. It was just like every week the bills were paid. Every, just, oof, oh, just, and it went on for years. It went on for a long time. Years. I'd say five, six, seven, maybe even eight years it went on. And then the Holy Spirit led us to do a couple of things, and it turned around overnight. Within three months, it was, it was like all of our debt was paid because we had taken out a bunch of loans to, to keep this thing working. And we had, we had, we completely paid that off, completely paid everything off. And, and our offerings were good and we were starting to, to come out of it. And one day I came, we were in the office and Debbie was doing the books at that time and she hadn't done the books that whole, all of that time previously. Somebody else was. So she wasn't seeing the bills. And she comes in my office and goes, Oh my gosh, John. She goes, what is this? And it was a bill for, for electricity and for gas. And she said, what is this? And I was like, what? And she goes, how much was it? A thousand dollars more a month? It was a thousand or fifteen hundred, something like that. And, and I don't know, she's, she's kind of sort of nodding. Uh, somewhere in there it was like a thousand dollars more a month that they were billing us for the building. And we went, okay, this has to be wrong. There's something wrong here. And so, so she immediately gets on the phone and says, excuse, you know, get somebody on the line and says, excuse me. She says, she goes, we need to talk about our bill. And the lady goes, okay, let me, let me pull it up. And she goes, she goes, the bill was X number of dollars. And the, and the lady goes, yep, that's what it was. It was so much for gas, so much for electricity. And my wife says, says, why in the world did it jump a thousand dollars a month? Why did it jump so much? And the lady goes, I don't know. Well, let me look back. And she started going through the records and she goes, did you just turn on your gas? And we said, no. She goes, the gas has always been on. She goes, well, according to our records, you haven't paid a gas bill for nine years. (laughs) And we're like, my heart just went, 
Because the only thing I could think of was nine years of, of payments that we're now going to have. And she goes, did you, what did you guys do to the meter? And we go, we didn't do anything to the meter. She goes, did, did somebody, you know, reattach it or, I mean, she goes, she goes, have you been without heat for nine years? We went, no, we've, the building has been heated for nine years. And she goes, well, sometimes the meters just, you know, do that. There's a glitch. So congratulations. Have a nice day. And we went, no, we'll, we'll pay this back. We don't know how, but we'll, we'll pay this. And she goes, oh no, there's no way we can estimate this. Have a wonderful day and hung up the phone. Nine years of provision. Now we wouldn't have made it. We couldn't have made it. This church would not have survived for nine years without that, without that provision. And it's supernatural. It wasn't, you know, as far as I know, Debbie did not go in and disconnect the gas line. I'm not, I'm pretty, the, the, they sent somebody out and they said, no, there's, there's not, this hasn't been touched in all those years. They said, so they said, we have no idea what happened, but they said, congratulations. Have a wonderful day. God can supply all of your needs, even if it's supernatural. Now, don't start praying that your gas bill will become, you know. <laughs> we didn't even know that happened. I didn't even know that, that a man existed who we could stay in his house and, and live in his house for free for, for during that time. God, God will supply your needs supernaturally. But you do have a part to play in this. And I'm not saying, oh gosh, we've got to give a thousand bucks quick. Don't do that. What's God leading you to do? What's God leading you to do in your life? You, you do what He leads you to do, and He'll do the rest. Amen? I'm going to turn this over to Peter. I went way too long. I'm so sorry. Peter, I'm going to turn this over to Peter, and he's going to take it from here. Good morning. So, um, just real quick, for if you're new here, we have, um, this church has been doing mission work in Eastern Europe for longer than I've been around. That's kind of where they picked me up, to be honest. Um, but we had a mission trip this summer to Hungary and Ukraine. Uh, and this was our first mission trip in a long time because of obviously circumstances around 2020 that I should not mention. Um, however, uh, when we do a mission trip, we had about 17 uh, congregants go on, on this trip. And we were talking with staff. And sometimes we do testimonial where we take up a whole service. And we had conversations back and forth, but what we agreed to is instead of doing that, uh, we're going to have a potluck after, after church. So if you're interested in hearing some of the testimonies, you can stick around. We will feed you. And we will also talk about possible future uh, mission trips looking ahead. But uh, you're not completely off the hook if you're totally not interested because we're, uh, what, what we decided would be the... Um, meet in the middle, is I, we put together an eight-minute video of just hitting some of the highlights of the, of the mission trip. Uh, so that's what we'd like to uh, play for you in the, in the next eight minutes before we let you go. So why don't we go ahead and watch that. Hi guys, Tally here. Quick little testimony for me from the mission trip of 2023. I was not going to go on the mission trip and pretty much through a lot of convincing and <laughs> persuasion to really consider it because I wasn't going to consider it because I wasn't going to go based on personal desire. I wanted it to be from the Lord. Group going over to Hungary and Romania and so like I just didn't think that I needed to go just because I've been before if that makes sense. And so through um, a lot of pressure from Eddie and Peter, <laughs> um, I actually really deeply considered it and prayed about it. And through that, I told Eddie and Peter, I was like, there's no way I can go. Like, I can't get two and a half weeks off from my job, from my position. There's just no way. Um, and I ended up talking to my boss because I was like, you know what? I'm just going to talk to my boss. It'll be fine. She'll say no. All of this over, will be over with. I ended up talking to my boss and I literally said, my church is going on a mission trip this summer and I have the opportunity to go. And without even letting me finish my sentence, she's like, go. You have to go on the trip. And I was like, so taken back. And I was like, okay, that was one confirmation. And then I was like, okay, finance is another thing. Barely even batted an eye. 
finances, finances were covered and everything just like simultaneously happened thing after thing after thing to be able to allow me to go on this trip and many of you guys are a part of that and I just want to say a huge thank you to that and well my name is Mary Belchner and I've been on many mission trips before this one I just was kind of a a request from God I want just one more and God allowed me and blessed me with this trip it was completely different than the other ones that we've been on but it was a blessing I want to brag on the young people they were spectacular um, we all flowed in a unity the whole group there were many different obstacles that we had to encounter each day but with God's grace and mercy, our unity just brought us through. And I think everybody had a good time besides serving God. You can't outgive God. It's just such a blessing to be a part of it. Hello, I'd like to share two short video clips with you today. Uh, these are from two places that left a really big impression in my heart. first one is at a cemetery honoring their fallen soldiers from the war. The second one is Pastor Carlos with his children uh, in Ukraine, and they're singing a song for us. You might recognize it, even though it's being sung in Hungarian. These were the children that we actually had the honor and the privilege of ministering to while we were in Ukraine. So enjoy! or I didn't, I didn't choose any specific event that happened. It's more of a revelation that God gave me about the power of worship and, and music. Um, like when we were in public places or in a church um, or in outreach, um, you could just see the, the love that worship brought, um, no matter the language. Um, they're just... Worship was there, even if you didn't know what we were saying. Just the presence of the Lord, presence of the Lord is still there, and it was still great. Um, and in the music, in general, just like attracted people. People are attracted to music, attracted to worship, and they just love being around that sort of environment. And it's just such an uplifting thing to know that no matter where you go, music and worship and just having that atmosphere is, is just a powerful thing to have behind you. I would just say one of my highlights was getting to lead worship um, just in different places, the public square, markets, um, just different places or in a church. And one of my favorite was when we were advertising about an event coming up, uh, about one of the services that we were going to have in the city. We were worshiping in a market, and there was this little boy who was so excited about seeing a guitar, and I just felt like the Lord put a word on my heart for him. But I couldn't just stop the song. I felt like I couldn't just stop the song, so I 
look over and him and his mom are gone and I was kind of bummed and maybe 10-15 minutes later they came back and I was finishing up a song so I gave the guitar over to Tally and I went over and I had a translator and just gave this word to the little boy and the mom and the mom's sister were both in tears and it really encouraged them um, they actually turned out to be Christians and the word was just about how he's going to be a worshiper for the Lord and um, he's going to follow the Lord all the days of his life. He's going to know the Lord and walk walk in righteousness. And they said, we've been teaching him how to pray and how to talk to the Lord. And this is just so encouraging, exactly what we needed. So it was just cool how, you know, us leading worship songs in English drew in this little boy and the Lord had a word for him. So um, that was my highlight from the trip. Hi, church. Just wanted to give you a quick um, story tell here about some things that were impactful. Uh, the first one is that we prayed for a woman. She was a gypsy woman, kind of a young or an older woman. She, her eye was cataract and it was painful. And we prayed for her and we actually saw the cataract go away. And um, there was no more pain. She told us there was no more pain. The other thing I wanted to mention was all of the youth that were on the trip didn't complain one time. They were That impacted me greatly. Uh, did whatever we asked moved suitcases. We weren't always in the best situation, and I was just very impressed with them. So, very impactful trip. Thank you. Hello. It was a missions trip. Uh, it was uh, uncomfortable, stretching, uh, challenging. Uh, it was about learning to love, to, to, to give love, and it was learning to receive love, to be loved. Will I go on another missions trip? Yes. When I wake up in the belly of a great fish. Thank you. Brian wasn't kidding. <laughs> but hey, John end up, ended up in Nineveh after all, so we may see him again on another mission trip. All right, so um, we're going to have a potluck, and Pastor John told me to make sure that everybody's invited to that, even though if you didn't bring anything, there's plenty of food. Um, if you're a Packer fan, I know the game is at noon. Well, We'll try to get you home by halftime. How about that? But what we're going to be doing is having a potluck, and um, we'll share some more uh, testimonies and details and talk about uh, some possibility of some future trips and kind of do a Q&A as well. If you have any questions about future mission trips, we'll hopefully answer that. Well, okay. Well, I don't feel bad about that. So that, that we can miss. That's not a problem. All right, so let me just pray over the food and then we'll dismiss. Father God, we just thank you for today. Thank you for the service. Thank you for your word, your word that it is uh, true. You're uh, the principle of, of, your, uh, of your word that is power, the power of sowing and reaping. And thank you, Lord, that we can trust you in any areas of our life. Father, I just pray over this food as, as we get to share and fellowship together. I pray that you bless it to our bodies and bless our fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.